You're listening to audio from Grace Community Church in Anger, North Carolina. More information about Grace Community Church can be found at graceccnc.org. Well, good morning and welcome yet again to Grace Community Church. My name is Brad Talley. I'm the teaching elder here at Grace. If it's your first time, we extend to you a very special welcome and want to invite you and everyone who is wanting to know more about Grace to be here next Sunday after the service. Well, be here for the service as well, but be here after the service. We're going to be having pizza, and you'll be meeting uh, uh, elders, some home group leaders, and uh, it'll be a great time for you to get to know the church just a little bit more. And I'm really glad the church is able to get to know Tyler and Amy Ogburn. Tyler Mullis, it's Amy Ogburn. And Ogburn, by the way, you may be familiar with that name. It's the fruit stand, Ogburn Farms and Berries or whatever it is. It's the, where the big strawberry is that owns 42 and the best ice cream you will ever eat just about. It's really great. So um, I expect free fruits and vegetables from now on. Um, but thank you guys for representing not only the ministry and yourselves, but for representing Jesus the way that you do. We're so grateful that you could be here with us today. Um, I hope that you sometimes are able to pay attention, whether you're consciously paying attention to this or not. Subconsciously, I'm sure, and I'm going to talk about that again a little bit later, but subconsciously, I know there's a connection being made in your heart as well as your brain about the songs and the message. The songs are are beautifully chosen for the message. Rarely do I have anything to do with that. Occasionally, I'll say, hey, David, let's do this song or let's do that, and he's always like, yeah, sure, great, that's awesome. Uh, Even at the last minute, the worship team I put them through a lot sometimes. I'll call on Saturday. Oh, you know what would be perfect? And they have to prepare it in the morning. But today especially, the songs that we have sung go together with this spectacular text we're going to be looking at from Ephesians chapter 3. You know, there are a lot of things that I wish that I enjoy doing that I don't particularly enjoy. I know a lot of you are the same way. Like, for instance, fishing. I mean, fishing just seems like one of those things. I'd love to be able to sit on a boat or even stand out on a pier by the ocean and and cast. And it just seems like one of those contemplative, restorative kind of things that you could do. You can just meditate. But for some, I just don't care to. I think it would be a great idea, but I don't want to. And this is not your calling from God to change my mind about it. So not after the service say, hey, I'm going to change that. <clears throat> um, there, look, there are a lot of foods that I wish that I liked. It would make my life with Alice, it would actually make Allison's life with me so much more easy, you know, or so much easier. She's like, hey, let's go have Indian. And I'm like, hey, how about Bojangles? You know, fried chicken sounds good to me. It's like, I wish that I liked Indian. It's, it's the curry. You know, it's not the spice, the heat. I love spicy stuff, but it's just the flavor. I wish I did, but I don't. Then there are things that I enjoy doing that I just wish I had more time to do or I did better. I, I wish that I had more time and or discipline to read 
more. And I wish that I were a faster reader. I read, I pronounce every word. I know better. I can't for the life. I just can't do it otherwise. I wish I had more time to play golf, and I wish I were better at it. You get the point. When it comes to spiritual disciplines, there are certain things that are fairly easy for me, uh, others that are not so easy. I wish that I prayed more. I love praying. I would, it, what a privilege it is to pray for all of you. But if I start to pray about, say for Allison, a couple of weeks ago, she had an MRI and then she had an appointment not long after that on her foot. <laughs> and so I'm like, Lord, uh, this MRI that Allison had. And then I'm thinking, you know, I had an MRI one time up at Raleigh Neurology. And it's close to the state fairground. I love going to the state fair with my buddy, Bob Johnson. And remember that time we went to Texas and to, to visit another friend of ours who was in seminary? Man, they have the best Tex-Mex in, in Dallas, Texas. And it's like, okay, I got to do something else, you know. Uh, if you're natured like that, take heart. So was the Apostle Paul. And God caused his wandering mind, even in the discipline or, or his lack of discipline of prayer, to become very words of Scripture. He used that mind that was all over the place to teach us important lessons about the love and, of God and the amazing plan of God. Today's text, Ephesians 3, verses 14 to 21, is a classic example of Paul's distracted mind, which was, he wasn't thinking about stay fair. He was thinking about God, but he just, it just went all over the place. And, and maybe there's just so much truth pouring out of Paul's heart and mind that he couldn't help himself, that it just seems to go in different directions, but it did so to our benefit. His heart overflows with God's love for his people. And, and his prayer is that his readers will know and embrace God's love at levels that, so that it will not only change the way that they understand God's love and, and overflow from them, but it will change the way that they behave and also the, the, the ways that they share Christ with other people. And neither one of those truths is specifically embedded in this text, but it is embedded in the book of Ephesians, and it's certainly implied all through. It's just part and parcel of what God is doing in our lives. So today we return to our text, uh, our series that is entitled Engage the World with the Gospel. It's intentional language. It's the third portion, third section of our mission statement. Look, we're not called to win the world to Christ. You'll hear this a lot during this, this series on outreach. We're not called to win the world to Christ. And as, as wonderful as it sounds, that our mission is to bring Raleigh under the lordship of Christ or bring Harnett County under the lordship of Christ or even make Jesus famous. As, as wonderful as those things sound, we really don't get to do that. That's God's business. Our Mission is to preach the gospel, to exalt the Lord, establish believers, and to engage the world with the gospel. And then he is the one who determines where it goes. 
from there. So sharing the gospel is successful evangelism. It's not successful evangelism when a whole bunch of people come to Christ. Although it's very, very true that the more you share, the more people you'll see come to Christ or the more you'll get to be a part of what God is doing. I'm going to talk about God's glory today. Look, God is going to get his glory. But what a privilege it is when we participate in his glory. So, in addition to the place that God ordained for direct preaching and intentional witnessing, there's a whole lot in Scripture about making the most of opportunities and becoming all things to all people and giving a reason for the hope that is within you when people ask, what, what is it that's different about you? Or in other words, engaging the world with the gospel. You can do so out of guilt, but far better For the love of Christ in your heart to compel you to share Jesus. Hopefully you'll feel compelled after today's message as you understand the love of God that is directed so much toward you. My prayer is, if I can keep my head straight long enough to pray this, is that you will be thrilled with the gift that God has given you and you'll understand it as a gift worth sharing. So most often I try to uh, structure a message around three or four points that help to make sense of it, to keep it organized, because again, I can go all over the place, and it's just good to have that structure. But this is one of those texts that just compels anyone who is looking at it to, to take it thought by thought as you work your way through one incredible truth after another. And if you're not familiar with this text, I think you're going to be glad you were here this morning. If for no other reason, just simply that the text was read. And that's what we're going to do now. And as is our custom, I'll ask you if you would please stand for the reading of Scripture. I will be reading from the English Standard Version. And usually, the the pattern is we read the Scripture and then pray. But I want to... To pray before we read the scripture. I want us to just quiet our hearts. And then call out to the Lord. So if you would just bow your head and let's pray. Father, uh, our presence this morning acknowledges for most of us that we or indicates for most of us that we acknowledge you as the creator of the universe. We freely confess, as we have already heard this morning, that we are sinners and have no hope of redemption apart from the blood of Jesus. Not only covering our sins, but going so far as to remove our sins from us. We're not worthy of Such love, and yet, it is ours. Because you have chosen freely to give it to us. Even as the Apostle Paul prayed with slightly different words in Ephesians 1. Lord, may the Holy Spirit open the eyes of our hearts. Open our hearts' eyes wide. To comprehend and receive the love that you have for your children. Described in your word. 
because of Christ. Even as you build your church, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hebrews or Ephesians 3, 14 to 21. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. That according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think. According to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. Forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you and be seated. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. What reason? What's Paul? If he says something like that, you want to figure out what does he mean? For what reason does he bow his knees before the Lord? Well, he's already said for this reason, I pray for you. In the beginning of chapter 3, he says, for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles. He's getting ready to pray. And then he just drifted away in thought. His mind just started wondering. He was going to pray, and there there goes his mind. Off into something else. He was going to pray for his friends on the basis of all that he had written in Ephesians to this point, in chapter 1, about how God and his His sovereign love made this incredible plan. And he's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. And then in chapter 2, how we were just dead in our sins. Dead as a doornail, we would say. Dead in our sins. Had no hope. And then God, rich in mercy, (coughs) made us alive. Brought us into his family. And then in chapter 2, later in chapter 2, he's building his church one stone at a time. And so he, he, he starts to pray in chapter 3, and then he says, just think of it, Gentiles called by God to be in his family. We all thought it was <clears throat> just for Jews, but, but God in his beautiful plan and mercy has decided that all people be brought in, not every person that lives, but all people from every tribe and nation, as David prayed earlier has come into the family of God. We're all one and same in the same in Jesus. Who would have thought it? So, Paul, having said all of these things, now comes back to his first thought and says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, and then he gets distracted again. From whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Amazing. Then in verse 16, Paul gets down to the business 
of his prayer. That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. So Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, and then he keeps moving on. Let, let this marinate for just a moment. According to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. In preparation for this message, I read through the first four chapters of Ephesians very deliberately. And in the first chapter alone... Paul says that God does all things for his own glory three times. And now in chapter 3, we're told that he strengthens us by the riches of his glory. What resources do you think that God has to do this for you? Well, he's got unlimited resources, of course. And they're associated with glory. Or everything that is good Really way beyond good. We're we're talking about God's glory. And on the basis of the riches of his glory, Paul prays that God would grant a blessing to the Ephesian believers. All good things in our lives are granted or gifted to us by the Father. And that, of course, flies absolutely in the face of If you will work hard, you will be rewarded. And that's true. When Ricky says, Tyler is the hardest worker he knows, I'm like, wow. Because Ricky is one of the hardest workers I know. And we tend to think if you work hard, it will. And it's true. There are certain biblical principles that, that, that absolutely, if we work hard. But we tend to forget that every good thing, the ability to work, the ability to think, the ability to speak, move our hands Walk, all of that comes from God. Every good gift comes from Him. When we pray for someone to have strength, we're usually thinking about physical or emotional strength, right? But rarely do the writers of the New Testament address the physical health of believers unless it's to say, look, in spite of your physical weaknesses, even your emotional weaknesses, God will shine through. Some of you struggle with depression. You know what? You are a gift to the rest of us. Because you tend to think in ways, and you sense things in ways that a lot of people don't. And God uses that depression that you have. He did so with Paul. He did so with Charles Spurgeon. He did so with Winston Churchill. Over and over and over, people who struggle with depression also oftentimes bless the world. And so we say, Lord, please help my sister, help my brother overcome this this pain that he goes through over and over. Don't let him. And yet God is using that to bless the world. And sometimes the Lord or the, the writer of the New Testament speak in those ways and they say, your weakness is an opportunity for God to shine through frail human beings who belong to Jesus, and you're shining in a dark world. In Paul's prayer for the Ephesians, he asked that God would strengthen his friends with power in their inner beings. Look, Paul talks about this over and over. In all of life, for the believer, there are two things going on inside of you. 
Uh, the old man and the new man are at battle. The world looks at that as a devil on one shoulder, an angel on the other shoulder. You know, and um, <clears throat> so the old man, the new man, the inner being, the outer being, the flesh and the spirit. Paul's prayer for the Ephesians, inner being would be strengthened in order that they would live a godly life. And in this text, the gift of God's spirit is connected with God's gracious love for us. He's the one who reminds us of God's love for us. But, but I don't feel that kind of love from God. Even, even as a believer, I struggle with sin in my life and I just don't sense this love from God. It, Look, first of all, the love of God doesn't just come on us while we're sitting there. Sometimes it does. Sometimes you're just overwhelmed with a sense of God's presence and His love for us. But more often than not, He communicates that to us through His Word, through one another, through other believers who are sharing God's love with us. And as far as the sinful behavior, do you think that it was because you were such a good person that God decided to love you in the first place? No. His love is not like our love. Now, there are aspects of God's love that are shown to us in different kinds of ways. D.A. Carson wrote an outstanding little book, The Difficult Doctrine of the Love of God. And he talks about five different ways that God loves his children. One of those loves is actually a love that he has for the son. But how that you can't hold any of those in abeyance from the others. They all have to be taken together. And... The sense of God's love for his children is absolutely complete. God loves you with a perfect love. And when you believe that by faith, it tends to have a rather dramatic impact on your behavior. And as we contemplated last week, as we rub elbows with other believers, our faith is strengthened. And when our faith is strengthened, we understand God's love for us. So I want us to stop for just a moment and ask God to strengthen our hearts in the way that Paul prayed for in this text. Text, I want you to think about something for which you have prayed passionately of late. Maybe it's a health issue that you've faced. Maybe it's a health issue that someone you love very deeply has faced. Maybe it's this emotional thing. Maybe you have prayed about your job or about the possibility of a of a mate for life, whatever it is that you prayed for that's very important in your heart, with that level of earnestness, pray that God will strengthen you in your spiritual life, acknowledging, acknowledging that if He so grants your request, it will be because of His power out of His glorious riches. So if you would, just a moment, if you would just stop and let's pray. You pray silently and ask God to strengthen you in your inner being. Amen. Well, I have a short in my microphone. 
So I have to use this microphone, and that means I may get a little excited, you know, with this microphone in my hand. The latter part of verse 17 through 19, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Have you ever known love from another person at that level? You ever sensed love from your parents, from a spouse, from a very close friend, at the kind of level that it's beyond anything I could have ever hoped for? Even if you have, almost immediately there's this thing in your heart and mind that says, but I wonder if it'll last. I remember about so-and-so, and what if that happens to me? God's love is steady, and it's at this kind of level. And Paul is saying, I pray that you will be rooted and grounded in love. And, and the only kind... <coughs> Of love that can possibly be at the level that he is talking about here is the love that would cause the Lord of glory to lay it all aside and to come to earth as one of us and die on a cross, taking our sin upon himself. Paul's prayer is that we would be rooted and grounded in this kind of love so that we will begin to comprehend it even at, at, at its farthest reaches, the height and depth and breadth. Essentially, he's saying it's incomprehensible. It is better than you could ever possibly imagine. Well, I blew it. He's going to quit loving me. It doesn't work that way. He loves you because he chose to love you. And everything about him is for you. This is the thing that I, 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 I'm so amazed about as I, I think about it. How in, in, in chapter 1, at least three times, maybe even four. I think it's three. Where he talks about God's glory. He created us for his glory. He saved us for his glory. And yet, out of those riches of his glory, he does everything for us. Even coming to earth and dying. If you have just an inkling of God's love for you in Jesus, then you will understand what it means to be filled with all the fullness of God. That fullness already resides in us. But, but be honest with this battle going on. Old man, new man, spirit, flesh. You know what happens? We're so full of ourselves that there's no room for the fullness of God to shine through. I was challenged on this the last 48 hours over and over and over again. And we have choices every day. Is it the fullness of God that is going to determine my attitudes, my actions, the ways that I interact with other people? Or is it going to be the fullness of Brad? And even if there is a slight chance that you think I'm a pretty cool guy, I'm not. <laughs> If it's the fullness of Brad, we're all in trouble. Anybody who's connected, that is. 
But when the love of God overwhelms me at this level, His fullness will not be mistaken. And then the beautiful benediction in the middle of Paul's letter. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Look, I I know that there are times that you have claimed this verse and things haven't gone the ways that you wanted them to go. Um, it's, 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 the, it's the, the, the awful temptation we have to read Scripture through American eyes. Look, I, I, the elders are probably going to say, look, quit talking about the Babylon Bee. I, I can't help it if you've seen the Babylon Bee. I saw this one uh, worship leader. Sorry, David. Sorry about this. Worship leader invokes Philippians 4.13 to get into skinny jeans. Um, look, that's, that's about what we, we're like. It's like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can make the basketball team. I can do this. I can do that. And we look at this verse the same way. God is able to do so much more than we ask or think. We can beat this cancer. We can be... Now, what he's talking about? This is talking about being strengthened in the inner being. He can save this relationship. Yeah, but he, of course he can, but he may not. But he doesn't change, and his love for you doesn't change. Just because someone else's love for you changes. Look, if, if you pick, picked up the Bible, and you said, look, I'm, I'm just going to open it randomly, put my finger down, and you landed on Ephesians 3.20. You might be tempted to say, well, wouldn't that be nice? Hadn't proven to be true so much in my life. See, part of your problem is you fail to read this all that's gone before in Paul's letter. Such as chapter 2. We were dead. We were hopelessly condemned to an eternity apart from God. But in His rich mercy, He saved us. God has acted in remarkable ways to intervene in your life. He is omnipotent and will act in ways that are far beyond your ability to pray, imagine, comprehend. No doubt this is an encouragement to pray and to pray with a desire for spiritual understanding more so than for life as we wish it would be. You know where Paul was when he wrote this letter, right? He was in prison. Lots of times where this life just doesn't make sense. And by the way, if you text me or you call me and you say, oh, we've got this situation, I'm going to say, oh, oh, let's pray. Let's pray. I'm going to be praying absolutely for those. Those physical needs, those those relational stresses in your life, but God is 
talking to us here about something that is far bigger than this. And Paul is in prison. And, and just like when, for us, when life doesn't make sense, you pray for deliverance from what seems to be an unbearable situation. And so many times we pray for it to get better and then disaster comes. It's like Job. It just it piles on to the point where you just say, I'm numb. And then whether consciously or subconsciously, somehow you, you would have never expected this before, but you blame God for not answering your prayers. And against all that you would have thought possible, somehow you blame him for not caring. For not intervening and rescuing you from your problems. And one of the deals is you have forgotten that how he has shown his love to us. How is it? In the cross of Christ. Whatever you're suffering, whatever you're suffering, you have to interpret it in light of the cross. And when you do, you will begin to understand his love. And in fact, years later, you will begin to see things that are happening in your life that would not have been possible if you hadn't gone through such an awful time. Now, maybe that doesn't even happen. God calls us to trust him and to believe his love for us in spite of it. Whether we recognize the beauty of God's plan or not, it's being accomplished. One day it will make sense. Probably more than anything else, Paul is, is encouraging these believers to trust God no matter what life looks like. These Ephesian believers, they didn't have life like we have it today. A lot of them were slaves. A lot of them weren't citizens of Rome. And so consequently, life was, was a chore for them. And Paul was saying, there's a joy to be had, but it's not coming from your circumstances. Recognize that even though Rome doesn't recognize you as one of its finest, God in heaven does. He chose you to be in his kingdom. Our prosperity and freedom today work against a heart of trust when life gets beyond our ability to manage or our ability to create our own happiness. And in fact, I would go so far as to say this. When you come to a hard time in your life and you're tempted to say, I need to know what God's trying to teach me. He's trying to teach you to trust him even if it never makes sense. If you never see a reason for this happening and that happening. When you trust God, he will be glorified. Now, if I were to say to you, hey, just trust me and I'll make sure things go well for you. Uh, you glorify me and I'll take care of you. You would be saying, uh, really? That's the way it's going? Uh, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to glorify you. But don't treat God as a human. He's not. He's beyond us. And he deserves all of our praise and all that we can do to glorify him. He is our creator and under no obligation whatsoever to save sinners much less to make our lives easy. Yet in his amazing plan, all who believe in Jesus are adopted into his family 
and part of the glorious kingdom of God that extends across all the ages. We talked about this yesterday in Men's Breakfast. By the way, we're going through Core Christianity by Michael Horton. Write it down. Order it right now. Some of you pull out your phone. Order this on Amazon. It is a fantastic book. Core Christianity. It's simple and it's profound at, at the deepest levels. And we talked about this, how where God is working his plan throughout all the ages. Now, we tend to look at our lives and we say, okay, this thing that's happening that's bad in my life, 10 years from now, it's going to make sense. What's happening in your life right now is connected to things 3,500 years ago, 4,000 years in the future. If we're still measuring time like that, 4,000 years from now, I hope not. I hope we're just, you know, it's all, we're all together in eternity and, But we're just part of God's amazing design. And one day we're going to say, wow, it's beyond anything I could have imagined. And it is beyond even now my comprehension. So God's love for you is transcendent. It is eternal. It began before the world ever began. And he loves you at that level. So what does this have to do with evangelism on this series of outreach, about outreach? Well, I've said this before. Many of you are are relatively new, so I don't know when I last said it. Let me say it again. When you read through the New Testament, it is surprising that when you discover that God says a whole lot more. He takes a whole lot more time to explain the gospel to those who already believe it than he does to tell those who believe it to share it with unbelievers. Now, having said that, it is absolute, there is absolutely no way that we can consider outreach as optional or of secondary importance. It's not like, hey, this is a really cool thing God's done for you. And if you feel like it, just tell somebody, okay? I mean, Paul explains the gospel and then he says, no, now go tell the good news to those around you. That's kind of the idea in Ephesians 6 where he's talking about the whole armor of God. And he says, put on the shoes that are always ready to share the gospel. There is no doubt that if we fully understand the gospel and God says, go and share this good news, you're like, absolutely, I'll share this good news. I can't help it. I can't contain it. I can't keep it to myself. Paul's prayer for the Ephesians and by extension for us ought to encourage our hearts to the point that we acknowledge that he has given us a gift that is worth sharing. Let's think about that gift one more time. Ephesians 3 verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. That according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Isn't that already true of believers? He's talking to believers. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you, being rooted and grounded in love may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height 
and depth. I always want to say height. Height and depth. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. According to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. Forever and ever. Amen. Well, I want to close this morning uh, with a quote from Tim Keller's book on the Psalms. He's speaking of the Paul's, Apostle Paul's understanding of, Psalm, of God's love as it is articulated in Psalm 136, in which he repeatedly, the psalmist repeatedly says, his love endures forever. His faithful love, his mercy, his graciousness endures forever. So here's Keller's quote. Uh, Paul hints that while God's greatness can be logically deduced from the created world, Romans 1.20, God's love is a complete surprise and wonder. Looking at the human heart and history. Now, you're going to have to go outside of our current circumstances. We're getting along so well in our country uh, these days, so you're going to have to think back to a more troubled time, looking at the human heart in history, you would never conclude that God loves us. But He does. Paul asked for help to grasp not God's righteousness, but how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. God's love is his most amazing trait. And likewise, love should be his followers' most evident mark. By your love for one another, they'll know you're my disciples. Is it yours? That's a good question. Let's pray. Father, um, there are a lot of times we, we just don't sense that you love us at this level. There are even times that we just don't want to mess with thinking about it because we're so full of ourselves that there's just no room for the fullness of God in our hearts that has been extended to us by the loving plan of the Father through the Son and by the Holy Spirit. This beautiful Trinitarian <laughs> description of your love for us ought to overwhelm us. And we pray that you would strengthen us in the inner man by faith, according to your power, out of your richest, rich glory. We pray that you would cause us to live as those who are deeply loved. In the name of the one who showed the loving plan of the Father and the Spirit, 
accomplishment of the Spirit through the Son, Jesus. It's in His name that we pray. Amen. A word from Paul from the book of Romans. Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us, who shall, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Go in peace this week. Thank you for listening to audio from Grace Community Church, located in North Carolina. Feel free to make copies of this audio content to share with others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Grace Community Church, go to graceccnc.org.